Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. Howdy and welcome to Football Social Daily. If you are a regular, you will already know that this is the place to find daily news and opinion on everything that's going on in the English top flight. If you are new, well, this is the place to find daily news and opinion on everything that's going on in the English top flight. Click subscribe now if you're new so you never miss a show and get every podcast as soon as it's ready. Every single day. And on today's podcast, I've got Joe McGrath. Hello. And I've got Marley Anderson. Hello. So today we're going to be chatting rule changes. We're going to be talking outside bets for the title and the fairness of bringing fans back into stadiums potentially halfway through a season. They're all topics coming up on the Wednesday AQA where we answer your questions. We're also going to be shining a spotlight on the South Coast and chatting to the Argus's football man, Adam Stenning, about Brighton and Hove Albion in floodlight focus. And could it be the end of the road for a Manchester United hero, one of the stalwarts of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's squad, wants out, but will he get his way? But first, England, they're in action tonight in the Nations League. They're taking on Denmark at Wembley. And this is an interesting one, Marley, because... England have had two decent wins. We've beaten, supposedly, the best team in the world right now, FIFA's number one ranked team, Belgium. We scored three against Wales, but still, people are complaining about now the style of England's football rather than the results. They're quite pragmatic, England, at the moment. They're not going to be squashbuckling. There aren't that ma- isn't much flair, I guess, in the display. But does that matter? Wouldn't it be better to see England winning rather than necessarily playing with style? If there's one thing you've ever learnt from from either being English or being a football fan or both, it is that people will complain no matter what. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. You could win seven nil and Harry Kane at the post, and he'd be like, "Oh, Harry Kane should have scored that chance, though. We should have won eight nil. Like it's it doesn't matter. Like I think people are, I think people are sort of um, going for Southgate a bit now as well. So mm. all of a sudden the the style will come into into the equation and the system he plays. And I think the sort of opinion of him has changed a little bit to, oh, what's he ever done? Um, and then 
when you say, well, we got to the World Cup semi-final, people saying, yeah, but we, we didn't play anyone, we didn't beat anyone. The first team we beat, uh, first team we played, we got beat by in the semi-finals, and it's it feels like it's it's starting to change against him a little bit now, which which I still think is a bit unfair. I don't think he's done he's done much wrong um, in his time as as England manager, and I think people are maybe looking at the the Greenwood and Foden situation and, and trying to make that a, a rod to beat him with, but still even that I don't think is much of a much of an issue um, in the long term. But going back to the style of play, I'd rather see England win. I'm not that bothered if we don't you know play tiki taka and keep 70% 70% possession of the ball and stuff like that and you know don't give the opposition a kick as long as you win the game i don't think england have ever been like that so as long as as long as we get the points i don't really uh, i don't really care and as long as it's a much a much better game than it was in the denmark game the the last time the two teams played that nearly put i could could have put a glass eye to sleep that one but it's um <laughs> As long as it's better than that, I don't think anyone's got anything to complain about. Have we just been a bit spoilt, Joe? Is that the issue here, that we're used to seeing Liverpool and City? Mm. I'm not going to mention your team, Manchester United, <laughs> in that same conversation, but we're, no. we're used to seeing decent football in the Premier League, aren't we? And yeah. when that's not repeated at international leg- level, you kind of it just feels a little bit flat, a little bit disappointing. It was flat. Uh, I, I think with uh, with my point of view, I, I do take a kind of opposite opinion to, to Marley on, on Southgate. I just generally don't think he is a... He's a, a a good manager or what would be classed as a world-class manager or what I think will go on to do anything with England. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I Just the, just the way his demeanour and his... Yeah, when, have, when have England ever had a world-class manager? Yeah, but, that's not, yeah, but you, can't, you can't say, you can't just be settling. Surely you can aspire to it. Surely you can aspire to someone who, who, who is world-class. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Who would you at. have then, Joe? If you were going to get rid of Southgate, who would you, would you go after... A Jose Mourinho, a Pep Guardiola. Would you see one of them play like isn't it? Because because with the best win in the world, the best football managers. I mean, look at Belgium, who are smashing it. They have got Roberto Martinez, who you wouldn't have classed in that category as world class managers before he took that job. Maybe you look at someone who has got experience and age behind them. I know you looked at Hodgson in the past, and we had uh, Capello, and maybe that didn't really work. But maybe someone from that category of uh, a, a manager who can't be doing week in week out club football who can maybe take their time and preparation and do have a bit more respect in the game than uh, and Southgate and and don't make a rod for your own back in, in certain lines of what he's done and how he's approached things uh, I do think he's got quite a uh, big for his boots or he feels like he's quite untouchable there's certain elements of his press conferences and ways dealt with players and way he's currently you know exchanging uh, words with uh, you know he's had he's had run-ins with a lot of different managers if it's Oli the back and forth with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer if it's Jose Mourinho talking about the fitness of Harry Kane he's like I am the England manager and in a way I'm better than you but he's not he won't achieve anything if he was a club manager I don't think he could manage a Premier League side mid-table side I think he'd get the sack early doors I don't think he's good enough so maybe England is as good as Gareth Southgate will get we'll hold on to it for a bit longer because I think once he fails he won't get another job in Premier League or he will get another job and he'll fail again mm. so uh, with, with with the England side he's got a, an array of unbelievable talent there and we talk about how good the England side is it looks fresh it looks young you know we are quite right hand sided at the minute uh, you know we need to get our front perfect with who we've got but let's not forget we do have talent up front it's an exciting group of players and you can look at going into future tournaments and get a bit of buzz for it the buzz sort of dies down when I realise who's in charge of picking them. You mentioned the right-sided 
strength, but there are problems on the left side, yeah. particularly of defence at the moment, Marley. No Ben Chilwell. Kieran Trippier has pulled out the squad. He's attending a hearing. I'm not quite sure of the detail. Something to do with it's gambling indiscretions. Yeah, it's a betting thing, isn't it? He could be banned for, for six months, apparently. Well, let's wait and oh, see what happens with that yeah. one. Let's not cast aspersions before they actually <laughs> make Don't any, get any trouble, do we? The big issue is who plays left back. Where are all the where have all the left backs gone? Because I thought Trippier was really impressive um, in the game he played against Belgium. His move to Atletico seems to have actually quite helped him in terms of being yep. a defender. He's added a little bit of steel, yep. a little bit of grit. To also, his game. also the thing with the England squad is, and I've always said that, looked at the England squad and been so bemused that they all sort of play in England. And they can't mm. read other games very well, which Trippier's got now experience of how the Spanish play. Mm. And maybe he can bring that into his style of play with the English squad. You look at the entire England squad that played, they're all so Premier League bound. And I think we give the Premier League too much credit than it actually deserves. You know, it is a great league. But then when we, we try and play the German football or we try and come up against these other teams, their squads are enriched with players that play around the world. So I think Trippier's Spanish element can, mm. can help the squad as a whole, really. It's an interesting point, but obviously he's not going to help against Denmark no, because he's, he's not, he's not yeah, playing yeah. so where, where are where are the left backs and who steps into that role Marley? Uh well there are no left backs um, I think the only the only left sided player and probably the solution to the problem tonight would be Bakayo Saka um, I think we'll probably see England go with a back three and um, play Saka at left wing back I think the only other solution is possibly moving Kyle Walker over to the left um, to left back and, and put Trent Alexander-Arnold in at right back um, but obviously it's always going to be a square peg in a round hole uh, I think Walker's Walker's at a stage in his England career in particular where he's, have, he's having to be a bit versatile now because um, England have got 3,800 right backs who can all fit in the squad quite nicely um, it's, and they're all very good as well they're all they? bloody great as well if we had a team of right backs you know, we could uh, we could win the World Cup easily but unfortunately we need 10 other positions but it's um We've seen Walker play uh, centre back against uh, against Belgium in, in a sort of uh, a, a, a back five kind of thing, and similar to what we what we did in the in the World Cup in twenty eighteen. Um, so I think if anyone gets moved um, moved around, I think it will be him to left back, and we'll just kind of you know patch up that position for now, and then and then it's on because if you look at the other left backs in the Premier League, I don't think there's any that really stand out. People mention. Ryan Bertrand's never really done anything wrong. Um, I think he'd, he he's got every right to be looking at this squad and saying, well, if there's no left backs and you don't fancy, you know, um, anybody, you, you don't fancy putting a right back over there. Why why am I not in this squad? Mm. Um, and Luke Shaw, anyone? Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw <laughs> couldn't be further from an England cap if he could if he could try. Aaron Cresswell's ahead of him, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, Paul Dummett. What about? Oh no, he's Welsh. Well, technically, he's not Welsh at all, but he's Joe's Wales. But it is what it is. I think it'll, tonight it'll have to be a botch job tonight. So we'll, uh, we'll we should be all right. It's, Denmark aren't the the most amazing team. Once we'll just beat Belgium as well without a without a recognised uh, left back. We should be all right. You say Denmark aren't the greatest team. They have got some decent players. Obviously, you've got Schmeichel in net. You've got various players that we're familiar with in the Premier League. Christian Eriksen, Hoiberg in there as well. Are you seeing nothing but an England win tonight, Marley? Um, I'm just, I would say yes, but I, I am so put off by the last turgid performance. Um, I think I think we will. I think we'll, I think we'll beat them. 
Um, like you say, Denmark have got some good players, but they tend to be in the centre. Um, Heuberg's a good um, sort of holding midfielder. We know what he's all about. And Christian Eriksen as a number 10 is is very good. But in terms of what they got on the wings, I don't really think they can exploit um, what England might be lacking in that um, in that aspect. I think the only good sort of winger they've got, I've seen, is um, a guy called Robert Skov, who's at, who's at uh, Hoffenheim. He's like a... Um, a winger, but he's, he tends to be playing left back for the national team these days. So he, even he's not really a uh, someone who you'd look at and, and pinpoint as a danger man. But uh, we'll see what they can do. But I can't see them causing us that many problems, uh, or at least as many as Belgium did. And we we handled Belgium, mm. you know, okay at the weekend. So England should win for me. But if, every time you think that with England, they usually let you down. So <laughs> oh Christ! Oh, <laughs> you're right, Marley. That's staying in. It's <laughs> fallen over. <laughs> My microphone fell over. <laughs> um, the other big question, I guess, for England tonight is Harry Kane. I mean, that is the only real... I don't want to debate this, actually. I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up as a question. I'm just going to mention the fact that Harry Kane may or may not be available because Gareth Southgate saying that England do not risk players and Harry Ka- Kane isn't injured, but at the same time... Jose Mourinho does not want Harry Kane to play tonight, so it's unlikely he will play tonight. It could be Dominic Calvert-Lewin or maybe even Danny Ings getting a shout ahead of him. I want to move on because I want to talk briefly, because we've got Joe here and Joe's a Manchester United fan. I want to mention a bit of news from Old Trafford concerning Argentine goalkeeper Sergio Romero, Mm -hmm. who... There was some interest from Everton at the end of the window. He was supposedly about to move to Everton. That move was then blocked. There was a post from Sergio Romero's missus on Instagram. She was very unhappy that she wasn't allowed to move to Merseyside and he wasn't allowed to move to Everton. Mm -hmm. He now reportedly wants to be released from his contract before the end of the month, which would allow him to move to the MLS. Do you blame him? And should United reward him for his years of service? Because he has been a loyal number two. Yep. Now he's probably number three behind the hair and Henderson. So do you reward him for that and let him leave and let him play what he wants to do at the age of 33 is play first team football? 100%. You ask any United fan and you can put this on social media or Twitter or whatever. Sergio Romero has been an unbelievable uh, asset for Manchester United. He's served the club. He's been happy to be that number two. Yeah, all right, they pick up a fair wage, but when he goes on the pitch as well, he's been great in the Carabao Cup when we played him in the FA Cup as well. I think he's a class goalkeeper and he's been one of the best, best second choice goalkeepers about. He's served his time for United. Henderson's back, got De Gea and, and Henderson battling out for the, the top spot. Romero, his time, I don't know why he didn't leave uh, or why he wasn't allowed to leave. I think it's disrespectful for United. I think it's outrageous if they want to keep him just to keep his books ticking or not to give him to a rival. Let him go and play some football and let him go and just, as a, not a reward, because we don't need to reward him. He's rewarded us already for playing the games that he has done. Romero should go out and just go to the MLS would be perfect for him. I hope they do let him go. Because then our third choice goalkeeper can be uh, a youngster coming through the academy. Have you still got Lee Steele? <coughs> Lee, Lee Steele. I don't know if he's still got Lee Steele. Wasn't he um, third choice at some point? He was. He was for, Lee Grant. Lee, Lee Grant, Grant. That's yeah. the fella. No, Lee Grant. <laughs> Lee Steele. I was like, who's that? I was like, Lee Steele. Lee Grant is, uh, I think he's still there. That was the season where uh, we came second to Manchester City. We could have really built on a squad and the Glazers bought in the lot and Lee Grant that says it all really doesn't it uh, but um, yeah I do think Romero sh- he served his time please let him go at the end of the year at the end of the month if, if that how, is how it works out and any United fan will say that 
Fair enough. Lee Steele, instantly, as a player who began his career at Bootle in 1996, <laughs> ended up at Leamington, retired in 2012. He's a striker. <laughs> Let's get him on the born. podcast. Can we get him on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Lee, drop us a message via <laughs> at the Sports Social. We'll get you on. Uh, it's also the place to go, at the Sports Social on Twitter, if you want to put a question in for the AQA section of the podcast. It's where every single Wednesday we try and answer some of your questions that have come in via Twitter, via Instagram, and via Facebook. And that is what we are doing next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Talking Brighton very soon. They are the team in focus for Floodlight Focus. On to that shortly. But first, we're going to answer some of your questions that have come in via social media. If you've got a question for next week, at The Sports Social on Twitter, The Sports Social on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook by searching Sports Social, or you can just head to the website where you'll find all those things, sports-social.co.uk. First question, boys. This comes from Daryl Noble via Instagram. And he says, do you believe that this year the outside team, i.e. no Liverpool or City, could push on and possibly win the league? Who is it and why is it Tottenham? (laughs) Says Daryl. (laughs) I mean, it's not Tottenham. I'll start with this one because I've said for a while and I'm going to stick with this and see if either of you two can convince me otherwise. It's Chelsea for me, I think. Although the start of their season probably hasn't been the flyer that some Chelsea fans would have expected. I think they're still the team that could upset the apple cart. I think they've recruited really well over the summer. Bringing in Mendy late in the window was the final piece in the puzzle. So I think they could be the ones to kick on. And as those players bed in, as Kai Havertz gets better and as Werner starts to find his feet a little bit, I think they could really impose themselves on the Mm -hmm. top of the table, potentially challenging Liverpool or City. Is there any other teams that potentially could be knocking on the door, Marley? You can go first on this one. Um, I was just thinking about it when you were talking there, and I think the one thing uh, Chelsea have got is that they'll get better, as we know they're not the finished thing now. Um, They've still got players to come back into the team, like Pulisic and Ziyech, and they've got Werner and Havertz to get better and better and, and settle in and start working with each other and and settling down and sort of producing what they can. Um, so I think they're probably the best equipped for it. Um, I don't think Spurs are far off. The only thing w- that puts me off sort of plumping for Spurs is the fact that they they play so many games. I think they've got, they must have like 123 mm-hmm. games this season. It's, it's an absolute joke. They've got Europa League travelling to do. Um, they're still, I think, are they still in the Carabao Cup? They've, they've got all kinds of things going on. Yeah, they beat Chelsea. Yeah, uh, they've got... They've, Still defensive questions as well about Spurs. Yeah, I just think, but if if, if the race, one game I, a week, they'd be all right. But with it being three, I put money on Spurs finishing higher than Chelsea. I just think, really? yeah, yeah, I just thought something about Chelsea. Something very about very Spursy Spurs. That's very Spursy Spurs. <laughs> I don't know if they'll win it. I do think, unfortunately, I know it's a great question and it would be exciting to see an outsider. I do think Liverpool just have something about them that will make them win two. But Liverpool the and City don't seem quite at the races either. I know, but them not quite at their rate will still be enough, I think, to beat the rest of the uh, Premier League opposition. Uh, and don't overlook Everton as well. Yeah. <laughs> don't overlook Everton. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if there's a top four of Liverpool, Everton, Spurs, and then battling out between City and Chelsea. I don't know, that's just me. Everton can't maintain it, no, surely. They can't. Well, I don't know. They've got a manager who can do it. Um, he's proven and he and you know I know that's a, like a cliche to say he's proven but these managers will 
hopefully will look at their teams and they will get them to a, a, a better position than they have done in many, many years. And that's maybe where the likes of Lampard and Solskjaer might fall flat a bit because of their experience. Next question comes from Conan's Got a Dream via Instagram Great as name. well. This is an interesting one. And this comes from America. And I hope you take us the right way, Conan. But you can tell it's an American question just from the language that's used in general. <laughs> so, he, so I was about to do it in an American accent, but don't I changed my it, mind Chip. last minute. Oh, no, do it, Jeff. You'll no, never listen I to another out, podcast. I pulled out. Uh, he says, should teams that play the low block and play for the draw be rewarded zero points? So if the game finishes nil-nil, I guess both teams will get zero points or whether the defensive team gets zero points, I'm not quite sure. And if it's a score draw, they get the one point. Essentially. So should there be some kind of reward or discouragement for teams potentially kind of almost yeah, almost yeah, shut up shop be, and be, yeah shut up shop and negatively impact a football game joe uh, you know it's an interesting idea coming from uh, if it's from America you know they've got sports over there that you, there's never a case where it's a nil-nil at all American football basketball often gets into the hundreds of points baseball you've got high scoring games over there so, so I bet a nil-nil can feel quite alien mm. to an American audience but you know they say there's been some good nil-nils what if you're punishing a team then for the strength of both defences if you get me was what if they've just got excellent defenders and really what you're saying to the centre-backs and the goalkeeper and the wing-backs is your defence is that good that you might in a way uh, damage us if you get me so if, if if both teams are able to keep clean sheets we're not awarding the defence mm. we're not awarding how good they are we're actually saying you quite, you know, you've actually done as damage here. Actually, the defence is an important part of the game that re- requires. It, yeah, it should have some respect. It should as have well. a respect. So if you give it a nil-nil, if you give it a, because uh, that's really what defences have. You get a clean sheet. If you sort of take that away from them and discredit the clean sheets and actually go, mm, two clean sheets. No, actually, it's going to be zero points for both of you. I think the defenders will feel a bit like, well, that's a bit of a. Do we do we let one in? So then we could go back to the other end and score. Like what? I don't. I don't know. Great idea. Good idea to mix things up a bit, but not for me. You can kind of see the thought here, Marley, because no one likes a nil-nil draw. And no. It's always better when there are goals involved, and we have seen it work successfully in other sports. When you look at rugby in the last probably decade or so, the Premiership rugby have introduced bonus points for the number of tries scored. Yeah, see, that can be another thing. I think it's three tries you have to score and then you get a bonus point. So that encourages teams not to kick penalties. It encourages them to run for tries or run for goal a little bit more. It also encourages teams that maybe are losing and have not got the prospect of catching up to try and score tries to kind of get that bonus point. So it does work in some instances. Could you see it working in football? Uh, the only reason I couldn't see it working in football or, or not being introduced is because if you look at all the sports Joe's just mentioned with, with baseball, basketball and these kind of things, and then even rugby, they're all very high-scoring games. So a point in rugby mm. terms isn't as big as it is in football terms, I don't think, because... Um, there's so many sort of points in a game that you know scoring one try when the, you know the tries of let's say Saracens have scored six goals on uh, six tries and Bath have scored three like Bath scoring four they've, they've scored three already so it hasn't changed the result that much whereas football like how many t- how many how often is it the team score you know three goals and then 
the defensive team has to get one to to sort of get a point back or something like that. It's not, it doesn't quite match with football. Um, having said that, it would be quite fun to to come up with some way of uh, rewarding attacking football. But you know, like you say, I mean, Italy are famed for their their defenders and stuff like that, and their defensive league. Mm-hmm. Um, and having these amazing defenders, I think Cannavaro won World Player of the Year in like 2005 or something. Um, so you kind of like, it's a kick in the face for them who, if you just happen to be really good at defending, like you said, um, you kind of like, well, we don't want to reward that because we see that as negative. Um, but it would be a, a way of making teams attack the game a little bit more. I mean, Burnley would be knackered um, where every time they went to Man City every year. Um, <laughs> but it... it it is what it is. I think we see it in pre-season sometimes, um, but I don't think we're, we're close to having it come into certainly the league, but even like a cup competition, um, kind of like, you know, the Champions League group stage or something like that. I think we're way, way off that, but it would be fun to see uh, to see what happened in like a, a, a prolonged sort of extended period of, of trying it out. Some great teams have been based on great defences as well mm. in the Premier League, not just international. So it does feel like it would be a little bit of a slap in the face for those teams and you might lose a very important part of the game. So nice idea, Conan. Good maybe idea. there's something in it, but maybe it needs a little bit more thought. Uh, Chester Leach has our very final question. This one came in via Twitter and he says, is it fair to bring fans back in halfway through a Premier League season from a league table standpoint? Some clubs might have already played at Anfield, for example, with no fans, when others will have to do so later in the season. Surely that gives some clubs an advantage, disadvantage. I mean, from my point of view, it's very unlikely that fans will be brought back at any point this season. But does it create a problem in terms of fairness, Joe, if that were to happen? I think in terms of the fans coming back, if anyone is allowed to come back, it will not be at full capacity. And you've got a question... Will the cop be as as deadly and as uh, dramatic as as a full cop? If there's only like one every other three seats, if you if you get where I'm coming from, does it really have the edge to it? You know what's what can be so powerful about fans in a stadium is there when they get together, when they sing loud, and when they mm. put pressure. And you know, <clears throat> you know, you lose Anfield Which for example. During you'll never walk alone, and yeah. that's kind of it. But then, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Using Anfield as an example. When there's three people, why game missing that? <laughs> when there's three people in a row all separated, they're trying to do it. At least love room from the scarves that they hang above the red. But I don't, I don't know if it'll create such an intimidating atmosphere. But I understand where you're coming from. It does raise the question: Is there an advantage for people who have played the big teams already? Not in the away atmosphere uh, I, I don't know I think if it, the positive of it, of it would be obviously for us the fans the ability to get to go and see live football again and I think that will just outweigh it for mm. other people they would just think I get to see a game of football again I understand where it's coming from I just don't think they'll take it into account I don't I, think they'll it would be, be very churlish to yeah. use the fairness argument if there was the prospect of bringing fans back to stadiums mm-hmm. from a financial point of view and from an atmosphere point of view I guess the argument is Marley that how much impact the fans actually have on the results of games. And we saw in Germany, when games first resumed there without fans, that there was a massive impact on home results. I think there were more away wins than there had been at any other period in German football. But we've not really seen similar aspe- ap- we've not really seen similar 
things happen here and you, you take a team like my team West Ham I'd say actually not having fans in the stadium because of how toxic the atmosphere <laughs> yeah. has been in the London Stadium recently could actually be an well, advantage 6-1 at Old Trafford would have been awful yeah, you know, uh, yeah it would yeah. have been horrific that Crazy. it could have been worse with fans in the stadium uh, yeah it's, it's, it's something to think about isn't it the, what impact do fans have um, I think everybody would like to think they have a massive impact but we we haven't had them for long. Um, we haven't we haven't not had them for long, and we're seeing so you know more goals and things like that. But how it's so hard to put a sort of um, like label on right. This is what fans bring to a game in terms of affecting the result because it's all psychological. You know, there's it's almost like a placebo effect. If if you knew the fans weren't there. Um, when they were kind of thing if you could if you could um sort of silence the crowd it would be weird for players to play and then sort of not have that effect in in their heads um of of what the fans bring them but it's a i don't know it's a tough one because like you say the toxicity around a lot of clubs um you know Newcastle have had it my team for for many years uh there's nothing really better now for Steve Bruce because i think even though we're, we've we've picked up two wins from four games, we're playing absolutely shocking football. And if there was fans there, he would be getting uh, a fair bit of uh, criticism. And, and mm. so would the so would the players in in some aspects. Do you think it in, works as an excuse almost for some managers then, in terms of because there are no fans in the stadium, they can play a maybe more negative style of football. They don't have to appease oh, yeah. the crowds as yeah. much. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Because you know if you've if, you you don't have to answer to them directly. Um, you know, there's that famous story years ago, wasn't it? Was it Harry Redknapp at West Ham uh, when he was a pre-season game and the guy, the guy was on the touchline saying he was he was rubbish and he could do better and stuff like that. And then yeah. he ended up <laughs> yeah. he ended up putting him on in a pre-season game and saying, "Well, go on then if you can do it better." That kind of thing. That's just a, an example of the impact of of what fans fans bring. Um, imagine if he wasn't there. Harry Redknapp could have carried on playing his old system, and no one would have said anything because there would would have been no one there to to say anything. So, it's um it's that thing where, you know, if you've got no one to answer to, and you're answering to journalists on a Zoom call as well, it's much easier to to play off this defensive sort of negative way if that's how you choose to play, um because you don't have any anyone directly booing you or something like that. That's massive. If you've ever had anyone booing you in any walk of life. Like if you're on the radio and someone was <laughs> was in your studio just booing you and calling you all all sorts of names, it will get to you, wouldn't it? So mm-hmm. it's any it's any walk of life. If you've got someone booing you and, and criticizing you as you do it, you are going to be affected. So when you take that away, it's different for um, for football managers. You can do what you want and have a bit more free reign without uh, accepting the consequences, type of thing. But I mean, we'll if when fans come back, I personally agree with you, Jim. I think it'll be next season because. You know, Germany have brought them back this month, but also Germany have done a much, much better job of controlling the virus than the UK has. Yeah. So the the we can't just say, well, they're doing it, so why can't we? Because we're still, you know, about to enter a second wave and a second lockdown and all all the rest of it. So we're we're, we're way off that. I think it'll be next season before we see fans in the stadiums, and we'll have to see how many bloody clubs are left by the time uh, by the time that happens because. Only the ones with the biggest banks are uh, are going to be able to to survive this impact. If you want to find out more about that Harry Redknapp story, by the way, it was against Oxford United. It was a pre-season friendly. 
1994. There's loads about it on the internet. You can find it. And if you do find it, have a look at the photos because the best thing about it is what Harry Redknapp is wearing. Because you know you have you have tracksuit managers or mm-hmm. suit managers and yep. have, like, people have various different styles. Harry Redknapp's just wearing like a pla- a blue plaid checky shirt <laughs> and a pair of massive chinos. It looks like he's heading out for a meal at a local harvester <laughs> rather than managing a football team. It's brilliant. It says a lot about West Ham in that kind of year. Um, right, that is it for your questions. Thank you very much for your contributions. Get them in via social media for next week. You can find all the links on our website, sports-social.co.uk. And next, we're talking Brighton and Hove Albion in today's Floodlight Focus. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's time for our floodlight focus and today we're going down to the south coast for Brighton and Hove Albion and we're speaking to Adam Stenning, sports reporter at the Argus. How are you doing, Adam? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. There's a few days left of the transfer window at the moment and obviously football fans love a transfer. I'm sure it's no different down in Brighton. Club's still allowed to bring in players from the lower leagues. There's a couple of interesting striking options on the cards. Free transfer possibilities. Daniel Sturridge is floating around. Danny Welbeck's available, knocking about. It's interesting because Brighton have obviously been criticised in the past for not having enough firepower. Do you think there could be any last-minute moves for that type of player? Um, I don't know. They've always, you know, Brighton have always said they'll look for players, but it's got to be the right player at the right price. I don't think they're... You know, they want to spend an absolute fortune on a striker if they are going to get one in. Um, you know, and they've just, you know, as as I've said, they've just said that it's got to be the right the right player at the right price. They've, you know, obviously they've got rid of Glenn Murray on loan, um, you know, because he didn't really, um, unfortunately, fit the Potter mould. Um, he's not really a Potter, Potter type of striker <laughs> in that sense. Um, and they brought in Andy Zakiri, who's a sort of younger, younger player who, who looks to... You know, he scored for Switzerland under twenty ones um yesterday, so he's um he seems like he's a he could be a, a good a good striker for the future. But I think they're still looking at maybe you know, as I said, they're still looking at trying to bring somebody in if they can, but they've 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 always maintained they're not desperate to bring anybody in. They're happy with what they've got at the minute if if nothing happens. Does it feel like this window in general has been more about being happy with what they've got, hanging on to prize assets rather than maybe improving on what was there? Yeah, well, I think Potter's Potter's always said that he's tried to look within, and I think you've seen that he's brought you know Ben White in back in from his loan at Leeds, where he did really well, and you know obviously he's still he's still trying to adapt to the Premier League because it's his first time in there. Um, you've got Jason Malumbi as well; they brought back from his loan at Millwall, who's you know doing really well at um, with Ireland at the minute, but obviously hasn't had much of a look in. They've got Stephen Alzate, who's you know made him put himself in the frame as a first team sort of regular at the minute um, mm. in central midfield, but he can also play at right back. So, and he's doing really well. He's, he's already a, you know, senior international for Columbia. You've got Aaron Connolly who's worked his way into becoming a sort of first team regular there as well in, um, and doing really well with Ireland as well. So he sort of tried to look at promoting um, players from within and using his academy. Cause I mean, they've got a very talented academy. They've got lots of, lots of good prospects there. And, um, Hopefully he'll, you know, hopefully over the next few years as well, there'll be even more players coming through that. There were a couple of young players that came in at the end of the international window as well. Uh, Two Polish players that were signed in from Lech Poznan and then loaned straight back out to 
the Polish club. Not names that I, or I imagine many Brighton fans, were particularly familiar with. What do you know about him? Well, I mean, Jakob Moder is um, he's a midfielder. He looks like he's, um, you know, he's young, obviously. He's only 21. But again, he's another one who's already playing senior international football for Poland. Um, hmm. And so is Michael Kabalnik, who's the uh, left-back that they brought in. He's, he's the same. He's also playing, you know, is a senior international at the age of 19. So they've both got, you know, they 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 must be half decent players if they're playing international football for Poland, given the sort of calibre of players Poland have got at the minute internationally. Mm. Um, but I think I think with from what I understand, Moda um, when he joined, they said for the time being he'd go out back to Lech Poznan because they're in the Europa League, so he'll get. They want to want him to get you know sort of a taste of European football, see how he does, and then maybe assess assess that in January, see where how right. he's progressed and how he's developed. And then, you know, I guess if he does really well in Europe and that, there's there's no reason why he couldn't even be brought back in um, in January. But I think they're just going to assess it and see how he gets on in Europe. And then Gabalnik is, you know, from what I've seen, he's, he's quite a young sort of attacking um, fullback. Um, you know, um, he's been nominated for Europe's Golden Boy, you know, um, which is quite a sort of prestigious award, you know, with the likes of, sort of Haaland are on there, Greenwood, Sancho, players like this that, you know, these top players around the around Europe. So, again, that sort of indicates that he can't be um, can't be a half-bad player. And, I mean, he's playing at a good club in Legia Warsaw who, you know, um, always do well, you know, in, in the Polish in the Polish sort of top flight. So, yeah, I think it's they're, they're sort of other players that they'll keep an eye on. But, I mean, I think out of the two, I think they, you know, when... When they signed Moda, they did. I know Dan Ashworth did say that they were, you know, it was quite a tough decision to loan him back out because of how well he'd he'd done. But they sort of thought with with uh, Lech Poznan playing the European football, you know, we'll loan him back out and see how he gets on in the first half of the season, and then maybe see what happens from there with him. So maybe a player we'll see before the end of the Premier League season over here. The big news in the Premier League this week has been all around Project Big Idea, which is the proposal spearheaded by Manchester United and Liverpool, which will see more funds from the Premier League distributed further down the football pyramid, but at the same time gives a certain group of teams within the Premier League a lot more power. That certain group of teams will not include Brighton. So what's been the reaction on the South Coast to this news? I think it's been one where you know, you're either for the idea or you're against it. And I mean, I think at, I think at Albion, they've, you know, it's sort of a tricky one because it's, the idea is to, is to lower the amount of teams in the Premier League to 18, which, mm. you know, for teams like Brighton, who have obviously only the past couple of seasons been battling, you know, staying in the league, you know, that's, that's probably not what they want to, you know, and then them and the sort of sides down the lower end of the table do not want to see, do not want to see the league lowered down, and then obviously taking away the league cup and community shield, which again is a is a very big thing to do because I mean you know the the Carabao Cup is still you know you know what is what is known as the league cup is a is a great cup you know and uh, it gives sort of Premier League clubs like Brighton the chance to um, you know blood in some young players and give them a bit of game time against senior men's sides. So you know I don't think they'd be too keen to see the league cup go because it's an opportunity mm. that's that's that and the FA Cup is an opportunity for Potter to sort of give younger players a a look a look over and a, get a closer look at them and see how how well they're sort of developing I mean you know there's players like Hayden Roberts and people like that that have 
that have, and I guess Jason Malumbi in a way, and, and Max Sanders who have sort of played in that um, Carabao Cup and, you know, um, have been trying to impress Potter in that. So, you know, if, if they were to scrap the League Cup, it would be a shame because, as I say, it would then, you know, give these younger players less of a chance to show what they can do. I mean, obviously there's good stuff within the proposals as well, but it does feel like it's the big clubs trying to close out the smaller clubs and prevent them from making that next step and becoming a challenger for whatever the next step would be for the club, be it European football, be it even a title challenge at some point. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's it's almost, to me, it feels like they're using their power against the sort of, against the other Premier League sides, you know, with the, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they don't want, you know they want to warn off challenges from <laughs> from sides down in the in the sort of lower half of the table, and that's that's that that would be totally against what Brighton want to do. Their their long term aims are to you know become an established top ten Premier League side, and if something like this was to ha- go ahead, you know that would that would sort of I'd, I think sort of put a dent in their plans ever so slightly. So I think Albion they they're they're not too keen on the ideas. Let's let's just say that. Before I let you go, Adam, this season, obviously there's been a bit of progression for Brighton in terms of playing style and in terms of what Graham Potter wants to achieve at the club. But how confident are you that the playing style will be enough to keep Brighton in the league? We saw with Bournemouth last season, they played decent football, but they ended up getting relegated. Do you fear the same might happen? I don't think I'm too worried. I mean, it you know, you mentioned about the attacking football and the, the style of football that Potter wants to play. And, it, it, you know, so far we have seen that they, they can compete with the bigger sides. I mean, they, they were unlucky not to get a point, maybe even three against Manchester United, having hit the, having hit the frame of the goal five times. They played, they played pretty well against, against Chelsea. I think their only real disappointment has been how they performed against Everton. But, I, I mean, given how, how well Everton has started, they won't... Um, they won't be sort of too worried in that sense, but I think they were sort of a bit upset with the way they sort of gave away goals from set pieces and that they they were sort of um, sort of defensive errors that you know possible not be happy about. Um, but I think I think if they continue to play as they are, there's no reason why they can't that can't comfortably you know um, stay above the relegation zone. And to be honest, they'll be looking you know they want to progress on last season's finish. So. You know, the closer they can get to sort of finishing sort of, you know, if they can get into a sort of 13th, 12th place finish at the end of the season, they'll be very happy with that because the closer they can get, as I say, their long-term aim is to be a top, established top 10 Premier League side. So if they can just keep progressing, um, which is what Potter wants to do, progression is, is his main aim. And if they can progress on last season's finish and get closer to a top 10 finish, then they'll be very happy with that. Adam, top man, thanks for chatting on Football Social Daily. If people want to find out more from the Argus or any Brighton fans that want to hear more from you, where can they head? Um, well, you can head to the Argus, argus.co.uk and if you go under, we've got a sports tab, but we've also got a specific Albion tab as well, so you can keep up with all all the news from uh, myself and my colleague Brian Owen, so we, we cover the sport there. Top man, nice one for joining us. Thanks. That is it for today's podcast. If you are a blogger or a podcaster or a YouTuber for any particular club and you want to get involved in Floodlight Focus, get in touch with us via the website sports-social.co.uk. We can feature you during a future focus on your football club. But that is it for today. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marley. Cheers, guys. And we'll see you next time for Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. 
Find us on Twitter at The Sport Social. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.